0: Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. This morning, we're going, to talk about, we're going to talk about a passage where Jesus is interacting with the religious leaders. And this is a, a, a common thing that we would struggle with every day, is whether to cling to the thoughts of men, good men, people that we find to be smart, And even uh, spiritual, or do we cling to the word of God, what he has said uh, as he has spoken? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you Matthew chapter 15. And I'm going to read down through verse 9. Then the Pharisees and the scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. God, I ask your blessing on your word. I ask that you would um, guide us and direct us. I ask that you would uh, move in our hearts where we need to be changed. Uh, God, thank you for your word. Help us to hear it clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In verse 1, you see that the Pharisees and the scribes, they came from Jerusalem. And I I would say it this way. They came from Jerusalem looking to get into it with Jesus, to point out his wrong. Uh, The Pharisees being a ruling party, religious leaders, and the scribes, most of them probably being Pharisees, but further trained uh, to be lawyer types to know the data to know both the old testament and the further jewish writings and they were experts they were ones who were educated and not just educated but the smartest of the smart when it comes to uh, jewish traditions that group however many of them they came from jerusalem to galilee where jesus was and if you can picture it it's kind of like having someone from the educated city going out to the country. Uh, we have some people from New York here to tell us how to live out here in Tehachapi. Uh, you can imagine, uh, we say, well, they've got new ideas. They, they're at the center of civilization and we're out here on the backside of nowhere. Uh, that, that's the picture here. They came looking for Jesus, looking to correct them. In verse 2, it tells us what their question was, how they came to Jesus. And this is what it says, verse 2. Why do your disciples break the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. Um, This is not um, a mom passage here. Okay, Uh, Wash your hands. This is not an issue of hygiene, uh, though... Those of you who are raising kids right now or have raised kids, you know that especially young boys, they don't really get it. Sometimes it isn't cured in high school either. I just want to tell you that. Uh, you look at their hands and you just go, oh, those are dirty. It's it's an issue of hygiene. You need to cleanse it because uh, if you eat, your hands are all dirty and they've got all kinds of grime and you need to be healthy. What what this is, it's a connection with an Old Testament Uh, law. uh, You can go over to Exodus 30 if you'd want to read it in verse 17 through 21. You see that uh, in the times of Moses, there was a law come from God that said there was a ceremonial washing of those priests who would go and that they would offer sacrifice. So they would wash their own hands as a symbol of their own cleansing of their own sins, really needing to be cleansed. And then they would go about and and go through the sacrifice. Interestingly enough, uh, the Jewish teachers, the elders referred to here, added to that that it was not just an issue for those uh, going about the sacrifice, but also it's for all people that they should all do this ceremonial cleansing. And it went from being something that God prescribed To being interpreted as something that was almost superstitious. That somehow that one might have been around evil or touched something that was evil. And that by touching it, it got on your hands. And this evil got on your hands and it would go from your hands to your food. And then it would go from your food to your mouth. And then it would defile you. It would ruin your whole person. Because you had touched something. You had uh, not ceremonial been washed. I I couldn't get away from this, but as I studied this, the the Pharisees and the scribes came and they were the spiritual germaphobes of their day. They were afraid that, oh no, that spiritually I'm going to ruin myself because I don't go through or that everyone doesn't go through. Notice they're pointing out To Jesus disciples hey how come you're not having them do this there was a superstition to it um, and they came and this uh, was their big question this is where they were going to get Jesus I I don't believe this is a big point but I want to bring this up again because it keeps coming up how are they speaking to Jesus How, how are they coming to him what was their entrance to him I want to tell you that Jesus is God come in the flesh. He'd shown himself to be king. He'd shown himself to be capable both in teaching and in miracles in ways that they couldn't comprehend. It was far greater. And, And they came to him. How did they come? They come accusing him. You can imagine the Pharisees and the scribes probably had robes that identified them. And as they rolled into town with their entourage, they go, oh, there they are. The the religious leaders, these important people. And as they come to Jesus, they start pointing fingers and they start saying, I've got a question for you. What should have have been their, their posture as they come? Jesus, it's Jesus we should bow down and worship. Jesus, what should we do? Jesus, this is what we do in Jerusalem. Is it wrong? Please tell us where we're wrong. Please correct us. Please teach us. But instead, they came with a haughty spirit, questioning, uh, almost uh, scolding and rebuking the King of Kings. Now, I just want to tell you that we should worry about our posture when we approach our God we we should question where we are sometimes we talk in a familiar way that's that's not appropriate we start telling god what he can and can't do well why'd you mess that up i had it all set up the way i wanted it and you came and messed it up or or we say god you you shouldn't have done that you shouldn't have done that and i want to tell you consider your heart before him consider what you want And and say, it may be all wrong. In humility, I need to come before you, God, and say, please correct me if I need it. Please show me. I don't get it all the time. A humble posture. Pharisees and the scribes did not have it. They came to Jesus with questions. Leading questions that were leading them to hoping to get Him, to catch Him against the law. You you see His response in verse 3. He answered them. And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? Uh, Jesus does this all the time. You know, we see it recorded all the time. Uh, they ask him a question, and he says, I'm not going to answer that question, but I've got a question for you. And what he's doing is he's unseating them, he's bringing them down and saying, you think you've got it all figured out, I want to show you where you don't. And it's right here. He asks a question uh, about the the commandment of God. He says, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? This tradition came from Exodus 30, but it really didn't come from Exodus 30. That was prescribed. It was God's word. But from that, uh, the interpretation of the elders of the Jewish people, they wrote... Uh, not just that, but it, it should go on for everybody. And that's what they were following. Uh, a, a prescription that was from man. An interpretation, if you will. An application of the Old Testament. And Jesus asks this important question. He says, um and he makes this distinction. Why do you set aside God's commandment? God's commandment. And, and he makes this distinction between... The traditions of men and the commandment of God. Super important for us to remember. There's a difference between the traditions of men, and I'd even say it this way the traditions of a church, the traditions of your family, the traditions of our country. He says that those might, traditions are great. I love traditions. I I love, especially when I remember why they're there too. (laughs) Uh, But I love traditions. But when we set them side by side with the commandments of God, they must become subservient. They must be lowered. They must be underneath. And if they don't fit, they must be thrown aside. And so... Jesus asks them, he says, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? And then he brings them this example. Now, there's uh, we saw this in um, Sermon on the Mount. We've seen it in Jesus' teaching uh, in the past in the book of Matthew. But there's always, when there's a law, when there's a law, you always have to flesh that out. Um, one of the the laws that they struggled with is you shouldn't work on the Sabbath. You shouldn't work on the Sabbath. And there was this one particular Jewish writing where it talked about how do you give to the poor on the Sabbath? And they worked out this thing where, so you're not supposed to leave your house to work on the Sabbath. And so work would be carrying the food uh, outside your house, to this person who's poor outside. And you say, oh no, how, how could I do that? Just leave it on the porch. Just leave it on the porch. Well, if he left it on the porch, there would be a sense of the, the person working, uh, that the poor person, because they were now picking up the food and they were working. And so the, the threshold of the home was this big deal. And, and the, the way they got around it was this, that the, the people who were inside giving the food, would hold it there and o- open the door and the people who needed it would lean over, would lean over, and then the person would hand it to them. And so somehow that was, nobody was working. It was just this confusing thing. But but they were so concerned about being right that they, they struggled when it came to the laws of God. Um, and so he gives another example here of one that they threw aside. And it goes like this. Verse 4. For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. Okay? That's clear. The implication is that you should honor your father and mother. Um, part of this honoring, we're going to get to it, but is taking care of them when they're old. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, some of you are saying right now, that's good preaching. That's good preaching. I'm going to make sure my kids listen to this online. Take care of your parents when they're old. Um, I try to talk to my kids and you know, brainwash them early. Now, when dad comes to live with you when you're old, and when I eat your food and sleep in your home and, you know, watch TV on your t- like I go through with it. You know, sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't. We try to pick who's going to be able to take care of us and, and so on and so forth. But um, this is the picture is that there's a sense of taking care and honoring throughout life to honor the, the mother and the father. Well, that's the the command of God. And then in verse five, he says, but but you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God. So the picture here is this. The the child, the adult child, has set aside money, finances, um, some kind of uh, value to take care of the parents, probably theirs to begin with. I know how these things work. Um, they get got this because of uh, their parents' wealth and they just so they have this set aside. You're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine. But instead of taking care of the parents, they give it as an offering. Uh, in this case to the Pharisees, the scribes. <laughs> That's where that goes. It goes into the treasury there. And so the the added, the the man's opinion is this that They honor your father and mother. You're supposed to do that. Whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. Got it. But except in this case, if anyone tells his father and mother, this is what I had for you. This is what I had to take care of you. But instead I gave it to God. Verse six, he need not honor his father. It's okay. You can set that one aside. If you give it to the Lord, it's okay if your parents don't have anyone to take care of them. It's the exception. It's man's exception. It's even, it, it, it's even got the idea of uh, a motive behind it too. Uh, of course, that's good for the Pharisees and the scribes because we have people giving money, large sums of money that they can be taken care of. And so he, he points this out as this inconsistency for them. And he says this, and this is where it all comes together. Middle of verse 6, he says, So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. The traditions of man come colliding with the word of God. And you pick and choose. He, He points out the inconsistency for these religious leaders. And he says, Choosing the tradition of man over the word of God. You you make void the word of God. You set it aside. You trashed it. And then he brings about judgment to them in this. Verse 7, he says, you hypocrites. You hypocrites. Um, Picture again, uh, the scribes and the Pharisees rolling into town with their entourage. Their, Their head is held high. Because they're full of themselves. Uh, they love their position. They love their education. They love uh, who they are. They know that they are right. When it comes to being right, they know they've got it. And they're coming in to show Jesus where he's wrong. And as they walk into town and as they question, Jesus' response to them is this, You hypocrites! Um. When someone thinks they're right, when you tell them they're wrong, they don't really like that. I mean, it, it, I mean, it it'll when someone prides themselves on being right, when you tell them they're wrong, it, it sends it, it, it causes them to explode. And I want to say this just as a side note: when someone's pointing the finger, pointing out all your faults. Chances are there's something behind them that they're trying to cover up there's something by when, when someone is good at pointing out other people's faults, chances are there's something behind them. Let me ask you this question did Did the Pharisees have hidden sins? Yes, they did it, what what was going oh i don't know. Even if it wasn't some uh, scandalous thing, the pride of their heart was wicked and filthy before God. But chances are there was other stuff too that was embarrassing for them. And part of their, their self-righteousness was, hey, go point the finger. Go point out things that are wrong in other people's lives. And especially pointed out in Jesus. Bring him down. Pharisees and the scribes came pointing a finger at Jesus. Um as we look at this, Jesus response to them as you hypocrites. You, you you say you've understood the law, you say you've but in this simple thing, this so basic thing, one of the 10 by the way, honor your father and mother. This very simple thing, you, you've missed it. You've you've set it aside, you've violated it. You hypocrites. And then he explains what's wrong. Then he explains what's wrong. And he quotes from Isaiah. And he says this, verse 7. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You see, you see what's happening here is that the commandments of men or the traditions of men are being listened to over the commandments of God. You look at this passage and you see that Jesus says, he, he points to the, the, the words that they're speaking. And I want to tell you this. Uh, just because someone has the right answer and it can flow through their lips does not mean they have the right heart. Get that. Uh, We're fooled all the time here at Bear Valley Church. Uh, Maybe we go to Bible study and and we say, boy, someone's really smart. They they have all the right right answers and they can cross-reference. That may or may not, may or may not reflect their heart. The Pharisees and the scribes, they had all the right answers. They were well-studied. They would have, they would, let me say it this way. In our culture, they'd gone to seminary. Okay? They'd gone to seminary. They'd studied at college. They had degrees. But, but he said of them, in defining them as hypocrites, he says, They're, with their lips, their lips and their heart do not match. And I want to tell you, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap from any of us. The the idea of saying something spiritual is easy, is easy. But the issue of the heart is what Jesus is getting at. It's what's in your heart. This is is the problem. It's not something external like a ceremonial washing. The, The problem is what is in your heart. He says, this, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And it also says this, verse 9, in, in vain do they worship me. They, they go about the, the the process of worshiping. They, 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 they're at the right place. They're at the right time. They're saying the right thing. They're singing the right song. They're worshiping in that sense. But what does it say? It's wrong. Why? Because they're teaching as doctrines, the commandments of men. They're holding to, their their message is not from God. They look like they're doing everything that's right, but their message is not from Him. This morning, uh, first service, um, I took too long when I was preaching, so I only got through half my message. So that's half, okay? That's half where I got you there. But I have three questions that we're going to work on the next couple of weeks. Um, the, the first question, and hopefully these will get to the point. Hopefully th- these are very generic questions, but I, I think they reveal what needs to be happening in, in, in us. Uh, the first question is this. Do you follow God or man? Do you follow God or man? And you say, well, how do I know if I'm following God or man? Are you following God's word? Or are you following man's ideas? And you say, yeah, I'm with God. Well, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, where the rubber meets the road, where the rubber meets the road is when your friends and family, and maybe even you, disagree with what God has said in his word. Who will you cling to? Will you give up your own ideas? Well, you give up your family's ideas. Well, you give up your friends, your peers. You say, well, that's not very progressive. I want to tell you. uh, The whole idea of progress um, is great. When we are progressing, we're getting better. But when you're giving up the truth for lies, that's not progress. Do 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 you believe, do you cling to do you follow God or do you follow man? Where this is going to come up, it's real simple. It's going to come up when you're parenting your kids. Uh, when, when, when stuff's not going well in your home and you say, well, what do I do? Or, who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to the, uh, the next great guru of child raising? Are you going to go on Amazon and see what the latest book is that came out, Christian or otherwise? Or are you going to cling to the scriptures that you know God has laid out there for you? And you're going to say, this is what I'm going to do, even if I don't understand it all. I'm going to listen to God. I will not cling to man's thoughts. It's going to come when it, when your marriage gets tough. Um, hypothetically, of course, right? Hypothetically. Um, You might have marriage problems. You might have disagreements. What are you going to do? Are you going to listen to your sister? Are you going to listen to your mom? Are you going to listen to the guys at work? Are you going to listen to your buddies that you're you're playing golf with? Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to take your cues from? I want to tell you this. That even if the votes are all in and they're against the word of God, Uh, they should be outnumbered in your own heart because you understand that God has the majority on this one. God is the only one that matters. I want to listen to him. So do you follow God or man? Second question, and we'll get into this more in the weeks to come, but do you worry about the inside or the outside? You worry about the inside or the outside? Scribes and Pharisees, they worried about the outside. How does this appear? What's the score? Did I check all the boxes? Am I right? Am I right? They prided themselves on always being right. Um, Maybe it comes from their childhood. Maybe they had siblings who they were always like, you're wrong, I'm right. Eh, I'm going to tell mom. That's how kids do that. And Pharisees and scribes just tended to be adults who did that. I want to to ask you this question. Do you worry about the outside? The outside, what's happening on the outside or what's going on in the inside? But most of us ask questions every day. Oh, who's going to find out about this? I I need to look like I'm doing great. I need to look like I'm all together. I want to tell you, um, every week, every week, without, without fail, every week, I hear about or I talk to someone who looked good on the outside, who was rotting and dying on the inside. Every week, every week without fail. And and there's this sense of like, it, it surprises me. It shouldn't surprise me anymore, right? But, but this, is, this is the thing. If we work on the outside, we can paint over things over and over again. The hypocrite was the idea with a mask, right? It was the, be, being a, an actor in a play and putting the mask on so, so no one would be able to see who you really were. I want to tell you that Jesus is, is not about people putting on a show. In fact, he's unimpressed. He finds it ridiculous that you would try to be someone that you're not on the inside. And so what happens here is this, that we should be working and and concerned with what's going on inside of us at the heart. He says this, what's coming out on the outside, the lips are speaking, but their heart is far from me. Last question. And it's a simple one. Who can change a heart? Who can change a heart? The whole book of Galatians is dedicated to this, but I I can summarize for you. I'd still encourage you to read it and study it and so on. Um, uh, Jesus needs to change you. You need Jesus. We sang a song today uh, Give Me Jesus. It's a simple song, it's a simple song, and it goes through different things in life. That when I rise, when I'm ready to die, different different things in life, give me Jesus. Why? Because we need Jesus. This is the the big lie that some of us believe. We can have it all together. You can get it all together. If I just work harder, I can have it all together. The Pharisees believe that lie. The scribes believe that lie. I can get it all together. I can be right every time. If you feel that, you don't need Jesus. You don't need him because you've got it all on your own. But I want to tell you, that's a squirrel wheel. You're going to run really hard, but you're going to get nowhere. And at the end of the day, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to know that you don't have it all together, and you have one of two options admit your failure, cry out to Jesus, or put on a mask and go outside. Those are your two options. Who can change a heart? Only Jesus can change a heart. And if you change at all, no credit, no glory due to you, but to Jesus, a gracious, merciful king that saw you in your mess and loved you and changed you and continues to to, uh, persistently love you like no one else could. Who can change a heart? Only Jesus can. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity of being before your word. God, I ask that you would not allow us to be these Pharisees and these scribes who think they they have it all together. God, I know that's in each of our hearts. I know that that's a struggle. I ask that in those deep parts that you would change us, change our thinking, change our desires, change our passions. Make us humble where we are proud. God, I ask that you do this work in us, and you're the only one who can. Thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for today. You are dismissed. Try.